0: Also want to take a minute, want to welcome everybody online. We don't, we don't, we didn't forget about you. you. I know you thought, we forgot about you, but we didn't forget about you. We love you online. Come on church, can we show everybody our appreciation for watching online with us today? Okay, well, we're, we're jumping back into our series on Matthew. And then uh, it, it, I've just loved being in this series. We're learning so much. And, and again, this is not just a book of the Bible, although it is. The book of Matthew is a first-hand eyewitness account from somebody who watched Jesus for real, like in real person, saw him, watched him, followed him. And not only that was personally changed by him. That's what Matthew was. Matthew was a tax collector. He had betrayed his people. He had turned his back on his countrymen, sold his allegiance, his allegiance out to Rome, to a different empire. And Jesus shows up to his tax collector booth and says, follow me. And Matthew does. He leaves a life of selfishness for a life of purpose. And Jesus changes him. And it's been awesome to watch Matthew help all of us experience the exact same thing. And that's what Matthew wants to do for us and has been doing as we've been walking through this. And so last time we were were talking about Matthew, we were finishing the Sermon on the Mount. So literally, he's wrapping up the Sermon on the Mount. Everybody's amazed at his teaching. Everybody's like, wow, nobody's ever taught like this. And now he is getting, he's coming down from the mountain, literally where I was on Wednesday. He's coming down from the mountain, and he's getting to work in the valley, which is a city right next. He's getting work, working in a city called Capernaum, which is right next to uh, where Jesus would have preached the Sermon on the Mount. And he's going to go to work in the valley. And the word picture could not be any more appropriate of what actually is happening. Jesus is coming down from the mountain. He's getting to work in people's valleys. He's gonna meet people who, who need a work of God in their life. People who are going through some valley seasons and Jesus gets to work in the valley. And I want, that's the idea for today. If you're taking notes, you can write this down. Jesus works in the valleys. Jesus works in the valleys. How many of you ever gone through a Valley experience? Just raise your hand, any? You know, we, we love, we love the mountaintops, right? We love those great epic moments, graduation, marriage, the birth of a child, a new house, Super Bowl wins, come on Kansas City. Not just win, singular, win plural. Uh, We love those moments. Spiritually, we love those moments, right? Where you get saved, you get baptized, God comes through for you, God speaks to you. God's working in your life. You have answered prayer, you love those things. We love mountaintops uh, experiences. But how many of you know this is true? You can't live on the mountain. You gotta come down from the mountain. You can't just skip from one mountain to another. You can't just jump, like you've got to come down from the mountain, and a lot of life is lived in the valleys. How many of you know it to be true? It's just the in-between. It's the middle moments. It's the stuff that is difficult. It's the, it's the hard things. It's the relational strife. It's the financial need. It's the physical healing that you, that you need to experience. A lot of life is lived in the valleys. But I love this passage. Because what Jesus is showing is this word picture could not be any more appropriate. Because Jesus is showing us he doesn't just care about the mountain. He doesn't just care about telling us about the kingdom on the mountain. Then he retreats to his little bungalow. Then he comes back out and, you know, just preaches again. No, Jesus comes down into the valley to a city called Capernaum, where he would base his ministry out of next to the mountain. And he meets people in the valley who are going through valleys. Jesus works in the valleys. He cares about the valleys. And we're gonna see in our passage today that Jesus comes to people as they're walking through their valleys and he makes their valleys sweet. He makes their valleys sweet. And I wanna look at this passage. We're gonna look at how Jesus heals three different people changes their life, completely changes their reality, and how they walk away feeling encouraged and strengthened because of it. Matthew chapter eight, if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn there, Matthew chapter eight. We're gonna look at how Jesus can come, work in our valleys, and how he can do the same for you and I today. He did it 2,000 years ago. He can do it right here and now. And if you're ready to jump in, say, I am. I am. Matthew chapter eight. When Jesus came down from the mountainside, Large crowds followed him. Of course they did. They were excited. This, this kingdom, this this new, this new reality of what Jesus was bringing online is amazing. And, and they'd heard that he can do things and they've seen and, and he taught like a, with authority. And large crowds are now following him. And a man with leprosy. Everybody say, uh-oh. A man with leprosy came and knelt before him. Now this this does not happen. This would, this would be a unique exception because leprosy in that date still exists today. It's not completely eradicated, but it has mostly been eradicated in our world. But it still takes place in Southeast Asia, some countries in Africa that people struggle with leprosy have not been able to access uh, appropriate health care. But leprosy is a, is a disease that, that uh, affects your, your body. Sores will break out. Your extremities would go numb. And so you would you would bump into things or you would be uh, working on things. You'd cut your, your thumb, not even realize it because you can't feel it. And then that would become infected. And so then, then you'd have to get rid of that, that extremity. So a lot of times people with leprosy would would, would have the, their hands, you, loss of fingers, loss of arms. People in that day didn't understand it. So what they did is they just said, we're just going to make sure you don't get, have any part of our society you just, you just need to stay away from us and so they would live in leper colonies in fact it was in the law it was in the old testament law that they couldn't come near people and if they did they would have to shout as they got close to those people and they would have to say unclean unclean so they're shouting as they're walking if anybody comes near they're like unclean unclean i'm a leper unclean stay away Can you imagine that? Can you imagine how difficult that had to be for that person? Can you imagine having to walk around and shout your weakness out to everybody else when you got close to them? You know, can you just imagine that? Like the thing that's the worst thing about you, could you have to, could you imagine shouting that out? The thing you're struggling with the most? That'd That'd be a lot of fun, right? Be like, anger! Anger! jealousy i'm jealous i'm jealous of you right now gossip gossip i'm a gossiper can you just imagine that's what this guy is doing it was a terrible terrible way to live you live ostracized from your community you couldn't come into the city you couldn't come worship you couldn't go to synagogue you couldn't go to the temple in jerusalem and worship with everybody else You were ostracized. You were disconnected. It was literally written into the law, and you didn't come near somebody. But this leper is so desperate. He dares to come near Jesus, and he kneels and he says, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. How many know he's desperate? He's going past what society has said, what the law has said is okay, but there's something about him that says, I'm so desperate, I'm willing to try anything, and I'm going to push past what everyone would tell me not to do, and I'm going to do what I know, or at least I believe, is going to help me. How many know when you're desperate, you'll try anything? Like, if you're like, man, I, I, I've got I've to get healthy. i got to get healthy. I'm willing to take gummy bear vitamins. I'm willing to do it. I'll do it. I'll do anything. I'm willing to do CrossFit. I'm willing to drink six gallons of water. I'm willing to put essential oils all over my house, just anointing everything. I'm willing to give up Andy. I know, I know, I know. I'm feeling it. But when you're desperate, you'll try anything. This leper. This leper is more than just desperate. He's full of faith. So he's full of desperation, but he's full of faith and he believes. Why? Maybe he's heard. Maybe he's heard about Jesus. He's heard about Jesus showing up for some people. He's heard about Jesus coming through for some people. He's heard about Jesus healing some people. And there's something inside this leper that says if he's done it for them, maybe, just maybe. He can do it for me. And it reminds me of something that we've been teasing out lately, church. We're talking about how we, how we view God is how we see God. And how we see God will be how we experience God. Isn't that true? There's something about this leper that says, you know what? I've heard, I've heard that God wants me to stay away, but I believe that God actually wants to bring me close. I've heard about God giving rules, but I believe that there's something about God that wants me to draw near to him. He believes that Jesus is good, and so he comes close. Insane. Not done in that day, and yet Jesus does something even more insane. Jesus gets close to him. I'm telling you, this was not done And yet Jesus does it. Look at this. Verse 3, Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. Not done. Don't touch a leper. Don't get near a leper, but certainly do not touch a leper because now Jesus is going to have to go outside. Jesus isn't going to be allowed in the camp. But how many of you know Jesus is not worried about that? He's not worried about what people think. And he hasn't come to abolish the law. He has come to fulfill it. And in this moment, he says, I am willing we're gonna come back and tease that out this is a powerful phrase you cannot you cannot underestimate the power of that phrase right there he said I am willing be clean I love this we're gonna see Jesus shout from a distance here in a moment but he doesn't shout from a distance he comes and he interacts with this guy and he does the unthinkable he touches him and he says I'm willing and what happens immediately everybody say immediately Immediately, he was cleansed of his leprosy. He asked Jesus to make him clean, and clean Jesus makes him. We've, we've been talking about this as well recently, but it's the power of prayer. And prayers that get answered are prayers that get prayed. If you don't pray, if you don't pray the prayer, it can't get answered. It may or may not get answered. If God just decides to do it, but if you pray the prayer, the chances of it getting answered are a lot higher. God wants to come through for us, and we've been learning this. He just wants us to ask him. This is what he does. And so Jesus responds, and watch what Jesus says. See to it that you don't tell anyone, but go show yourself to the priest and offer the gift Moses commanded as a testimony to them. Unbelievable. Think about it for a moment. This guy in one second gets his life back gets his life back. Do you know that that the enemy has come to steal, kill, and destroy? That's what he does. When Satan shows up in our life, when we give into sin, when we pursue our way instead of God's way, something is lost. But the good news of the gospel is that Jesus wants to give it back. Do you know that God is in the restoration business? He sees things that are broken down, and he sees he sees a building being built up. He calls those things that are not as though they are. And that's what, that's what Jesus wants to do for all of us. Some of you, you've had your life stolen from you. You've had a part of you taken from you. Sin has got the best of you, but I have good news for you. Jesus Christ is in the restoration business and he calls those things that are not as though they are. And you might've had something taken from you, but he wants to build you back. He wants to give you your life back. Jesus isn't done healing, verse 5. When Jesus had entered Capernaum, so he was outside the city, now he is going into the city. The centurion came to him asking for help. Lord, he said, my servant lies at home paralyzed, suffering terribly. We know from other gospels that this is a good centurion. This centurion is a a good person who has been good to the community. The centurion would have been a, a worker, an officer of the Roman army, commanding probably 60 to 80 other soldiers. He had risen up through the ranks. And these guys were fierce. They were intense. Think Dwayne the Rock Johnson, their busts. walking around, ready to do some damage. Think Arnold Schwarzenegger (laughs) in his prime, not today. All right, in his prime. These guys were intense and they were... They were enforcing the law, which was what? To impose the taxes. So they're going, like they, they're going around beating people up who aren't paying their taxes. Nobody likes these guys. So, and so in the Jewish mindset, they're like, when the Messiah comes, he's not gonna help these people. He's gonna punish these people. He's, he's not gonna like, like, like help them. He's gonna hurt them. That's what the Messiah is gonna do. So the, the Jewish people are seeing this. They're seeing the centurion come up to Jesus and everybody's thinking, Jesus is definitely gonna tell this guy to make like a tree and leave. But Jesus doesn't do this. Jesus not only doesn't rebuke him, he engages with him. What? Watch this. Jesus said to him, shall I come and heal him? He's like, you want me to go? Like, you, you want me to come to your house? Watch what the centurion says. Lord, I do not deserve to have you come under my roof. What humility. What honor of God. He says, but just say the word. Everybody say, say the word. Just say the word and my servant will be healed for I myself am a man under authority with soldiers under me. I tell this one go and he goes and that one come and he comes and I say to my servant, do this and he does it. Absolutely fascinating. What incredible faith. As a sidebar, I just wanna wanna point out this centurion doesn't even pray. He doesn't even pray correctly. He just makes Jesus aware of his need. I think it's really cool. Like he's not going to win awards for his prayer. He doesn't start with our father. He doesn't he doesn't like go through the progression of, you know, worship, thanksgiving, then supplication. He doesn't do any of that. He doesn't even end his prayer in Jesus name. He just makes Jesus aware. I love this. And Jesus doesn't care about any of that because you know what? He may not get the technicality of his prayer right, but he gets the object of his prayer right. He's just going to Jesus saying, ah, my servant, he's sick. And all I know is if you say something, I think something's gonna change because I recognize you have what? authority." That word authority is the word exousia. It's the power or ability to do something, the right to exercise authority or rule. What this guy is saying, he's saying, I recognize that there's something different about Jesus. Jesus isn't here on his own. He has been sent by the Father. And he's not here by himself. He has a power behind him. He's got backing. Because the centurion knows power. He's like, listen, I, I know how this power thing works. There's something greater behind you. There, you've, got a, you've got a power behind you. I know what the power of Rome is behind me, but you've got the power of something better, something unnatural, something supernatural. And, and he knows, he knows that there's more than meets the eye that, to Jesus. There's something very transformer-like. Come on, somebody. There's something very Optimus Prime-like about Jesus. There's more to meet the eye. He is man, but he's also more. He is flesh, but he is also God. And he has more than the centurion could ever imagine. So he just says, say the word, watch what Jesus says. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed. <laughs> I, just, I think it's awesome. How amazing do you have to be to amaze Jesus? And you know what I'm saying? Like, He's seen it all. He's made the world. And yet he's amazed. Why? Because of his great faith. Look, truly, I tell you, I've not found anyone in Israel with such great faith. I say to you that many will come from the east and the west and will take their places at the feast with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the subjects of the kingdom will be thrown outside into darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Ouch. What's Jesus saying here? He's saying there are some people, there's some people who think they belong just because of their bloodline. Some people think they belong just because of their name or because of their church membership or because of the identity they claim. He says, no, 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 no. Remember, I just told you in the Sermon on the Mount, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not do all of these things, but I will say, depart from me. Why? Because I never knew you. See, the kingdom of God is not about performance. It's not about adherence to rules. It's about relationship. It's about a relationship with God. And he's saying, listen, this centurion, he doesn't even know how to pray. And yet this is what the kingdom of God is like. It's, it's all about people who have faith. These these passages are showing us that what Jesus is looking for, not people who live by rules, but for people who live by faith, Then Jesus says to the centurion, go, let it be done just as you, how? Believed it would. As you believed it would. Do you see the theme? It's belief, it's faith, and his servant was healed at that moment. And then the last example is Jesus helps his disciple and friend, Peter, as he is going through his valley. Verse 14, when Jesus came into Peter's house, he saw Peter's mother-in-law lying in bed with a fever. He touched her hand, and the fever left her, and she got up and began to wait on him. How many of you know this is real revival because Peter's asking for his mother-in-law to be healed? Like, that's revival. (laughs) Like, God is moving, clearly. Oh, you know, Peter was like, no, 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 Jesus, just don't. Um, <laughs> I'm kidding, I'm kidding. I have the best mother-in-law. Cindy, if you're watching this, I love you, okay. Um, the, Bi- the Bible says, the Bible says in Luke that Jesus rebuked the, the fever. He rebuked it. And when evening came, many who were demon-possessed were brought to him, and he drove out the spirits with a word, and he healed all the sick. How many sick? He healed all the sick. He's healing mother-in-laws. He's driving out demons. He's healing the sick. And Matthew shows us that this is exactly what had been prophesied. In, Ma- in Isaiah, look at this. If this was to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet Isaiah, he took up our infirmities and he bore our diseases. Hundreds of years before this moment, God's speaking to a prophet named Isaiah saying, I'm going to send my servant and he is going to heal the sick. He's going to raise the dead. Why? Because God wants to work in our valleys. If you're in a valley today, this message is for you. Let me give you three quick thoughts, and then we're going to pray. We're going to actually take some time at the end. We're going to pray for people who are in valleys, and so we're going to believe that the same God who showed up 2,000 years ago is going to show up today. First, Jesus is willing. Something you need to know from this passage is Jesus is willing. Number two, Jesus has the authority. And number three, Jesus gives us his power. He's willing, he has the authority, and he gives us his power power. We're going to jump in just for a few moments, unpack this, then we're going to pray. Before we do, find three people next to you and say, hey, Jesus wants to meet you in your valley. Come on, find three people and tell them, Jesus wants to meet you in your valley. Man, there's, there's so much we could say about all of this stuff, okay? We could, we could break down each one of these stories, but I wanted to show you how all of these are connected because there is a theme here that Matthew is trying to make sure we get and we understand. The first one is that Jesus is willing. Everybody say, he's willing. Matthew 8:2, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus reached out his hand and touched him and said, I am willing, be clean. There's two ways you can read this. You can read this that he is willing, or you can read this as willing is who he is. I wanna encourage you to read it both ways because I believe that that's how Jesus is intending it to be read. I I can't help but think about the other I am statements that Jesus will make, right? I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the good shepherd. Or before Abraham was, I am, right? So Jesus, I believe Jesus is saying, I am willing. Jesus is willing because willing is who Jesus is. I just want you to know that Jesus is willing and he's always willing. He's always willing. You don't have to look any further from the fact that Jesus is present in this moment as this this, uh, leper is there than to see that Jesus is willing. Jesus left heaven Philippians tells us this. He did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking on the very nature of a servant. And being made in human likeness became obedient unto death, even death on a cross. Jesus is so willing that he's willing to leave heaven to come make his home among people in a very simple time. Without running water. Without Starbucks. Come on, somebody Why? Why? Because he's willing. Why? Because God so loved the world that he gave. That he shows up in human flesh, not just for a minute, not just for a day, not just for a week, but for a total of 33 years just to demonstrate God loves you so much and he looks like Jesus. Jesus. And he looks like willing, willing to engage, to get personally involved. 2 Peter 3.9 says, the Lord is not slow in keeping his promises. Some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone. Everybody say everyone. Everyone, everyone to come to repentance. He wants, he came for everyone. This story is demonstrating that he came for everyone, even the leper, even the person who's an outcast, not just the popular kids, not just the cool kids table. He came for everyone, the people who who feel like they belong and the people who realize they don't. He came for everyone. And he's showing this leper that he came for him because Jesus is willing. Here's the other thing that shows that he is willing. What did this leper need? He needed healing, right? But what else did he need? He needed a touch. He'd been ostracized. He'd been told to stay away. And Jesus brings him close. And Jesus doesn't just say a word, although with the centurion, he's about to just say a word. What does he do? He touches him. And in that moment, not only was he healed, but he was loved. He was loved. That's what Jesus shows That's what Jesus demonstrates. Love, it's the accurate estimate and adequate supply of another's need. And Jesus just shows up and says, I love you. I love you so much that I'm gonna gonna touch you and I'm gonna heal you. Why? Because he is willing. If you're going through a valley today, whatever it might be, relational, circumstantial, physical, emotional, financial, I want you to know that Jesus is willing because Jesus is good. He's always good and he's always willing. Second thing, Jesus has the authority. The centurion story shows us that Jesus has authority this centurion has heard about Jesus. He knows about Jesus. He's watched Jesus do stuff, and he's like, there's a power behind him. I can't explain, but I know it's real. Jesus has authority, authority over sickness, authority over disease, authority over the situations that we face. As believers, we have to come to the point where we ask ourselves the question, do we believe that God is the authority or not? Do we believe he has authority over our lives? Do we believe he is the creator? Do we believe that he controls and sustains all things? Do we believe he is the king or do we believe we are? Because he has the authority. You just have to give him the authority that he already has, authority over your life, and trust him for just a word, one word. I just love it. Just say the word. Do you know that one word from Jesus can change your reality? That one word from God can change the way you think, can change the way you act, can change the way you live? This is why it is so important to be in the word. Let the word continue to change us, to bring encouragement, to bring hope to us. That's why being here today, so important, letting the word just wash over you because just one word from the one who has authority can change the way we think, can change the way we feel, can change the way we act because he has the authority. And the last thing is we'll get ready to pray and believe God for miracles. He is willing, he has the authority and he gives us his power. I love this, this is so beautiful. Again, Luke tells us that he rebukes the fever. He has the power to rebuke a fever. He has the power to heal the sick. He has the power to cast out demons. He has power and he shares his power with us. And we, should, we see this because he confronts sickness with great power. I just wanna take a moment and, and think about who, Whose will is it that we are sick? Whose will is it that we struggle? Whose will is it that we have the issues that we, that we face? Is it God's will? No, it's not God's will. That's, that's the enemy's plan being worked in our life. God created us to know freedom and wholeness and, and to walk in, in closeness with him. But the devil shows up and he brings sin, he brings disease, he brings death, and he brings separation. Sickness is the result of sin entering the world. Separation is the result of sin entering the world. But the good news of the gospel is that Jesus has power over the devil. They're not equal. It's not like good, bad. It's like good. That's it. 1 John 3, the reason the Son of God appeared was was to destroy the devil's work. This is what Jesus came to do. This is what God promised at the beginning when things went sideways initially. When Adam and Eve sinned, God said, I am going to make this right one day. A descendant of Eve will come and he will step. He will step on this serpent and he will take him out. He will crush him. Well, and crush him, he did. Colossians 2 says this, and having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made, Jesus made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. God has the power. God is the power. And Jesus demonstrated the power by dying on a cross, giving himself up on that cross, laying down his life to take our sin from us so that we could not be bound in our sin but experience freedom from our sin. And not only did he die on a cross, but he went to a tomb, but he didn't stay there. He didn't stay there, but he raised, he rose with resurrection life because he is the power and he has the power. And you know what Paul says in Romans chapter 8? That he gives that power to us. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead now lives in you. You have power available. Well, it's not just to be overwhelmed by our sin and overwhelmed by our situation, but it's to rise up, to be overcomers because we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. We have victory. He's given us power. He had the power then, he has the power now and he extends it to us. And it never runs out. It's a power that never runs out. This passage it's so beautiful in, 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 in its entirety because it says one came after, one came up, and then another, and then another, and he healed everyone. He never ran out. He didn't get to a situation where like ah, you know what? I've never seen this before. Peter, you got any thoughts on this? I am not really sure. Sorry. Next, it just doesn't happen. It doesn't happen. His power never runs out. It's limitless. It's limitless. When you connect to God, you are connecting to limitless power. Power to change your situation. Power to change the way you go through your situation. This isn't just, these aren't just stories that happened 2,000 years ago. This is a reality that Jesus was bringing online for us to experience Today question is, not is he willing? The question is, do we believe he is willing? You see these passages, right? The people experience their miracles in their valleys because they are living by faith. And I just want to encourage your faith today. God does miracles. God changes situations. If we invite him in, if we just give him a little bit, just a little bit of a window into our lives, the stuff he can do is massive. And we want to pray for that today. So would you stand with me all across this place? We want to ask those that be praying for others to come down to the front? We're going to pray for people here in a moment. And um, if you're going through a valley of any kind, I want you to know that Jesus is willing. He has the authority and he has the power. He wants to meet you in that valley. On Wednesday morning, we literally, like, I didn't even think about it as I was on the trip. But we literally, like, lived this out. Went to the Sermon on the Mount, had a little moment, did a devo, talked about the the birds of the air that were, like, chirping. So I was like, look, it's the birds, you know? It was the whole thing. And then there's no lilies of the field anymore. They took those out. They planted banana trees. So that's, apparently, they make more money than lilies. So, but we're there in this moment, and I'm trying, like, talking, having this devotion. Then we go down into Capernaum, and we're sitting in the place where Jesus would have taught. I sitting in the place where Jesus would have taught, where he would have been teaching, where he would have been doing these miracles. And Pastor John starts reading the scripture that we're reading today. And I was like, oh my goodness, I'm preaching on that this Sunday. I was like, that's so cool. <laughs> and I was like, it's so cool that Jesus did that right here. That's so cool. And it is cool. But do you know what's even more cool? is that not only did Jesus do miracles in Capernaum, Jesus is doing miracles in Lee Summit, Missouri, right here and right now. 100. 100. And he wants to do miracles in our life. He does, because it's who he is. Willing is who he is. I don't know what you might be facing, but I I want you to know that he sees you and he cares for you and he wants to come through for you. And we want to pray for you. We want to create an atmosphere of prayer Because there's something powerful about joining up there's something powerful about agreement where two or three are gathered God is there in James 5 it says if there are any sick among you and you can apply this to any type of sickness physical mental emotional if there any sick among you call for the elders of the church and anoint them with oil and that the prayer offered in faith will heal the sick person the Lord will raise him up that is that is scriptural We've been praying god is here god wants to move in your life i don't know what you might be facing i don't know what valley you might be going through but i want you to know that jesus sees you and he wants to meet you in your valley if you would just open up your heart to him and give him just a little window he will show up we're going to pray we're going to believe god to do something great